Brooklyn, New York, and Hollywood, California. It's the Bicoastal Hoot Nanny starring Nate and Adam. This week, we're more than half a year old. And now, two zero star prospects who, if their respective bone structures had allowed it in the 1990s, would have been able to play college football without having compiled a criminal history that included mouth raping a 14 year old girl. Adam Wilson. And Nathan Frizzale. Thank you, Emily Ann Hyman, for that alleged introduction. For that phaletic, or whatever the adjective of fellatio is, introduction. Yeah, that's all I could come up with. It's really good. Welcome to the Bicoastal Hoot Nanny, starring Nate and Adam. I am and Adam, Adam Toot Nanny Wilson. That is in Brooklyn, New York, where it is currently. Fuck! How warm is it outside? Does it matter? Or are you always? Are the Hoot Nears just going to take my word for it, or do they want me to be honest with them? Uh, I'd like you to be honest with me. 80, I don't want you to lie. Eighty-one degrees Fahrenheit and sunny. There we go. All right, and I am starring Nate Frizzell in Hollywood, California. Where it is sunny and seventy-four degrees here in uh, here in the old SoCal, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful day. It's much better than you remember last Sunday was fucking sixty-eight degrees. Like what the hell? Suck my penis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now we're now we got a little bit more. Now we're gonna pay for it, you know, because we had a couple of weeks of coldness. Now we've got now we're gonna we got a lot of heat. We're gonna have a lot of heat. It's that that thermometer's just gonna rise. And it's and when I go, I'm going to visit going to Texas next week. Yeah. I looked at I looked at forecast. It's gonna be nothing less than 101 the entire time I'm there. So oh, I'm Oh, you're going to Texas next week. Are we gonna do the show from Texas? We are. As a matter of fact, I was gonna wait till the end of the show to uh to tell you that. But uh yeah, might as well announce it now. Next week's broadcast, I will be recording from Athens, Texas. Mm. Yeah. Where the hell is Athens, Texas? I mean I know At- where it is, but where is it? Athens, Texas is uh, about an hour and a half southwest, sorry, southeast of Dallas. Mm-hmm. So in East Texas, more or less. Towards like Nacogdoches, Huntsville. And... It's it's just across the border from uh, from Shreveport and so forth. Yeah. Uh, maybe about an hour and a half away, two hours. Yeah. That's pretty great. That's a big, that's a big damn state. Fucking Texas. Yeah. Uh... Like if you look at the map, Athens doesn't look very far from the border. But it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> El Paso is closer to Los Angeles than it is to Texarkana. And Texarkana is closer to Chicago than it is to El Paso. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's fucked up. Yeah. Uh, and poor guys. I really feel sorry for Texas once uh, Alaska was added to the Union. Because that is, that is their, that was their favorite thing to say. You knew it was. You know? Right. Now well, that's when, they had to, that's when they had to come up with the phrase, everything's bigger in Texas. You know? Right. <laughs> Uh, it's like short man syndrome. They had to make sure you knew. Yeah, you know, my, fa- my, my, my favorite thing is, and I've said it on the show before, is like, you know, Texas uh, Texas used to be its own country. Yeah, so did every fucking state in the South. It doesn't make you unique. Yeah, but we can, 
Yeah, but we technically can secede and keep all the money from our state for it. Shut the fuck up. Nobody cares. Just give me my <laughs> just give me my venti skim mocha with an extra shot of espresso and shut the hell up. I'm going to work. All right. It really is like I. It's so funny because I can't stand the way that they the the way that the the, the government's got such a big the government in Texas got such a big mouth mm-hmm. like they just run their mouth all the time. But the people of Texas, I have to be honest with you, are some of the best people. Like my salt of the earth, just good people. Now obviously there's assholes everywhere, but um yeah, shut up with your. Uh, you know what we, is the worst is the fact that Texas has been doing really well through this whole recession. Mm-hmm. So now we had to hear all of the Texans go, well, we know what we're doing. You know, Rick Perry should be president. It's like, no, well, you saw how his campaign went. Um, Ted Nugent lives in Texas now, so that makes sense. And that does make sense. Uh, Robert Plant lives in Texas now, so I wonder if he's going to turn into an asshole. Yeah, well. Instead of just God. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's going to go one or two directions. He's either going to be the god or an asshole. Yeah. yeah. How was your week? Uh, my week was really cool, actually. But before we get into that, um, on behalf of the Bicoastal Hoot Nanny starring Nate and Adam, I'd like to uh, wish our good friend and LSU alum, Chris Kirker, mm-hmm. uh, a happy birthday. Today is his birthday. Fuck it. Say how old he is. I really don't know. That's why I was doing that. Um, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I know this. <laughs> I think he's five years older than me, so I think he's 36. Yeah, he was, tw- he was 26 when I – he turned 26 when I had just turned 21, and I'm 33. So he's – God, is that fucking 38? Good no. Lord. You old oh, shit. God, you were so old. Imagine how old Smitty is right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about stuff that nobody knows what we're talking about, Nate. Let's do that the whole – Yeah. <laughs> Well, our friend Smitty uh, is another one of our LSU friends who mm-hmm. was – he was always the old guy in our group. Yeah. We loved him anyway. He was like the, he was like the big brother. Yep. Now uh, now he's probably in his 50s. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> anyway, who nears? You remember Chris Carriker? Chris Carriker, you remember him from uh, from the shitty haiku poems that he read on this uh, show because haiku sucks. It's terrible. Uh, in fact, um, it's uh, – other than the rape of Nan King, I can't think of anything worse than the Japanese have given to us. So – Way to way to sandbag one of our former guests. I would say rape of Nan King and then haiku. I think those if you just wipe those away from uh, Japan, I'd say uh, that's right. I put haiku above Pearl Harbor on uh, atrocities that the Japanese have given us. Though to be fair, we've given them some shit too. Uh, That was the return. That was the return game. You know what I mean? That was uh, yeah, but I don't think that was a level playing field. (laughs) It's like we're going to bomb a harbor that nobody uses. Oh yeah. We're going to blow your country off the map. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. You win. <laughs> and ironically, here we are eight years after Hurricane Katrina and then like eight months after Nagasaki. Nagasaki looked better than New Orleans looks right now. You're right. <laughs> yeah, right. God damn it. Well, uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's how they roll in Japan. You know, they do everything yeah, they, and, neater and yeah. faster, and smarter, but they're all very short. All of them. Uh, every one of them. I have some exciting uh, – something really exciting happened to me uh, right after we recorded our last episode. So last – we recorded it last Friday, and then a couple hours later, I got to go see live in concert on his 87th birthday none other than American legend Mr. Tony Bennett. 
Astoria, Queens native Anthony Benedetto? Really? That's right. Anthony Benedetto. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he even said his middle name. What was it? It was something very – it was like Joseph. Giuseppe? Of course it is. He's wait, named wait, after think, like seven saints. Wait, hold on. Was it, is it Giuseppe? I think it might be Giuseppe. Also. No, it wasn't. I remember remembering how un Italian it was. Like oh. I I feel like it was just Joseph, but maybe I'm wrong. It's anyway, Dominic. Uh, Dominic. Dominic. Okay, okay, well, I was off. Yeah. But Dominic is a saint, so there we go. Um Man, that man. Okay, so he walks out on stage. For those of you, all you Hootenears better know who Tony Bennett is. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, Tony Bennett starts his show where they're recording from a concert in like the 70s where Frank Sinatra brings Tony Bennett on stage and basically says, I don't know. I don't think you know this guy yet, but you will because he's one of the best voices I've ever heard. And he introduces Tony Bennett. And so Tony Bennett walks on stage and he's, 87 of as of that day mm-hmm. and he's kind of frail you know he doesn't move very well but he picks up that microphone and his like lower register is is a little shaky but still awesome but he'll just pop these notes and it's like where are you getting that from you're 87 years old and then he'll like bust out a dance move or he'll do a full spin like michael jackson style and i'm like mm-hmm. who are you where are you coming from? Um, this I, man I know, knows I know, how to know put saying, on a show. I know you're saying what you said, like, where does this come from? Where are you getting this? I know those are rhetorical questions, but the answer is cocaine. Maybe so. Yeah. No. I mean, that, that was the, my buddy, uh, my buddy, uh, Stephen Black, who's in town. I'm going to pick on him um, Tuesday on uh, the Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, uh, when I saw Neil Young and Crazy Horse, I was like, man, how does Neil Young rock this hard, this old? And he was like, cocaine. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how Liza Minnelli does it. That's how Barbara Streisand does it. That's how Tony Bennett does it. That is how. Hold on. Barbara Streisand had cocaine? How big of a line does she snort? You know what I mean? Like, look at that. I was about to say, look <laughs> at that nose. She's had to, just by just like breathing in, she's got to get cocaine from somewhere. Uh, it's like, <laughs> God. <laughs> um, the. Uh, it's like she probably has to put an air conditioner filter over each nostril just to be healthy, you know? Seriously. Seriously. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, just like just one hell of a concert. Like, okay, to be fair, his daughter opened for him. Yeah. And uh, Antonia Bennett. And uh, she is no bueno. Oh, she sucks? She, she doesn't suck. She does not suck. She's got, she has a very nice voice. But she doesn't, she shouldn't be opening for Tony Bennett. I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. she doesn't really have much charisma. She's a little awkward on stage. The whole time she was, she she would bust out these really strange dance moves, and I was like, she's gonna fall. Like it was, it's just like she's gonna trip. Watch her, just watch. She's it, gonna fall. Is she better than Lisa Marie Presley? Oh, I've never seen Lisa Marie Presley perform, but I would think no. You mean you didn't watch the 2003 NBA Finals Game Two halftime show? No. Oh, okay. I can't say that I did. I'm well, sorry. Well, the halftime show featured Lisa Marie Presley. Um, I assume it was not impressive. Uh, no, no, not at all. Um, no. It was not very impressively. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, well, hey, what's your what's your favorite Tony Bennett song? And part two of the same question, what's your favorite song that he did that night? And I asked that question uh, informing you that I will not return an answer because I have no idea what's a Tony Bennett song and what's just a standard that Tony Bennett sings once in a while. Well, you know, one of his big songs, like the the song that he made famous, because he's he's done a lot of 
covers and so on and so forth. But I mean, right. obviously, there's a lot of original music that's come from Tony Bennett. But uh, some of his more famous stuff is stuff that Frank Sinatra had already sung. And, and, uh, but he sang um, a song. He, you know, I left my heart in San Francisco mm-hmm. is like his big thing, yeah. and he okay. sang that, and that was really awesome. I love that song. But my fa- my favorite song of his uh, is a song called Stella by Starlight. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not an original by him. There's been a lot of covers, but he they actually I think they play it. The first time I heard it was in Casino. I think Scorsese uses it in Casino when you first see Sharon Stone. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where that's just, where the Scorsese would use a song that wasn't done by the Rolling Stones. It's really it's, <laughs> right. It's just, well, so, but if he's not going to use the Stones, he's going to use another it's, Dago. It's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah. Uh, it's such a great, I mean, just like nobody was speaking, you know, everybody was listening, uh, except for Uh-oh. the people surrounding me. Now, you know that song, Clowns to the Left of Me, Jokers to the Right, Stuck in the Middle with You? Yeah. Well, for me, it was it was Valley Girls to the Left of Me, Asians to the Right, and oh yeah, I got Jews behind me. Because you've got these girls on their phone right next to me, click, 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 click the whole time and going, oh my God, I'd never... Like she, he sang a Gershwin song at one point. I forget mm-hmm. which one, but like you know, one one of the one, Gersh, It's Gershwin. Everybody's heard Gershwin, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh my God, I've never heard this song before." Didn't Justin Timberlake do a cover of this song? Oh my God, I don't know. Did he? Oh my God, Justin Timberlake's so cute. Oh my God, is he gonna do something from Godspell? Yeah, wait, he's so old. Like, how is he still alive? <laughs> like, I'm like, what are these girls doing here in the first place? Like, they. I mean, I don't think that. I don't. I honestly don't know that they had any idea. Who Tony Bennett was? Uh, I'll tell you. Uh, what, I know what they were doing there. I, I do know that. Like it, it's it's weird because um, some somehow I, I don't know how this happened, but I've gotten an inordinate amount of beautiful young women as platonic friends. A lot of them, sure. and every now and then, and I don't know. I don't know where this comes from. It, it, it is phenomenal. Like look this this uh, this really hot little chick that I know who were good friends. There's never been any remote romantic involvement between the two of us, but. We're cool with each other. She calls me up one day a couple of years ago and says, like, hey, Adam, do you like Steely Dan? And I, I know where the conversation is going. First of all, I, I, hate, I hate Steely Dan, but they're, in the rock, <laughs> but they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So knowing where the conversation is going, I say to her, of course, I fucking love Steely Dan. Hey, 19 is the greatest song ever written. And she oh was like, God. oh, my God, that's what I just listened to on my 19th birthday, like a lot, like two years ago. And I'm like, I know, because you're so cool. And she was like, well, I'm going to go see Steely Dan at the Beacon, and I'm sitting in the front row because somebody at my work gave me these tickets. Uh, I sat and, on a dick, and they gave me front row tickets. <laughs> yeah, so I went with these three, her and her two little chick friends that are all hot, and they were like, Adam's a real big Steely Dan fan. So I'm like, tell us about Steely Dan. Well, so I knew that was coming, so I had to actually study up on Steely Dan, which I knew, I knew enough anyway, and I knew enough to bullshit my way through. But they are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, so out of respect for them, I wanted to, like, you know, Sure. Uh, you know, I wanted to study my, my shit and then know it. And then, so, yeah. So, yeah, those chicks, somebody at their work gave them tickets to a Tony Bennett concert. Somebody, it was like some old people Probably. like, ah, oh, God, I got to go to my nephew's bar mitzvah. Here, you want these four Tony Bennett tickets? Here, take them. Okay, all right. All Is right. it related to Robin Thicke? Tony Bennett, <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, Robin. But- <laughs> <laughs> but they're they're sitting there, uh, you know. So they're going off doing. Oh my god, we're going to a Tony Danza concert. I didn't know Tony Danza was a singer. Oh my god, Tony Danza wasn't he on Full House? No, uh, he's the guy from Angels in the Outfield. That was like his first acting gig. Angels in the Outfield. Oh that was the first god. thing he ever did. He never did anything else before then. Oh god, he was so good in that movie. 
Um, yeah, so so they come and they sit there, and we have to put up with that the whole time. Uh, then, uh, you know, the, the Hollywood Bowl can get quite packed. Like, they don't – there's a lot – they fit a lot of people in that place. Um, and then – so about you know the the show starts and about five minutes go by and I'm thinking oh look the two the seats next to me are going to be open so I start to spread out. Um, I was wrong. I soon no sooner <laughs> that I spread out than these Asians mm-hmm. decided to show up um, and uh, they pushed us back so we were crushed again. Hold on, hold uh, on let me I, stop you. Hold on, were they Asians or were they Americans? No, they were they were Asians because Asia. they. Were, they were speaking uh, not English language to one another. So uh, they they were – I mean they could have been American for all I know. Maybe they just were speaking in code. Well, <laughs> I could go to Washington Heights, Manhattan right now, and there are very many Americans who are not from the Dominican Republic, but you might think that they were. But yeah. Well, right. They, you have a good point. So why don't you um, stop being a racist as usual? Uh, well, they were of Asian heritage. Let's just put it that way, at the very least. But then they started taking out their cameras, and we had to put up with the flash. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on, sit down. Hold on, hold. Stop there. Hold on. The room is. <laughs> hold on. Something. Something. I know, blowing your mind. Wait, right? a, bunch of, a bunch of Asians move out cameras. Oh God! Can you believe that shit? Oh, let me get my breath real quick. Oh my God! <laughs> uh. And they, so, like, you know, I have to say they were qui- at least they were quiet. They didn't really speak a whole lot to one another. They're very respectful. But I had to the whole time. I'm like flashes in my face. It's like, why do you have the flash on? You're sitting. You're sitting 200 yards away from Tony Bennett. This one little flashbulb is the one thing illuminating the Hollywood Bowl, yes. so that you go. It's like they have Lewis Rhodes in the back doing lighting design, making <laughs> sure the place is completely illuminated. There is not. There is not a pore on Tony Bennett's face that you cannot see perfectly because of all the Fresnels and Lecos that are fired up yeah. to 11. And your little yeah. fun saver is making the shot illuminated well, enough for you. And not only that, but like I can only imagine what Tony Bennett was seeing from the stage. Like, you know, the lights are so bright, you look out, you can't really see anybody's face, except for way in the back, a couple of assholes with cameras that don't stop. Mm-hmm. You know, just just a bunch of light. And then suddenly you realize, oh shit, there's thousands of people here. But then again, due to the cocaine, he probably really enjoyed it. He's like, oh yeah. Right. He's like, oh man. Oh, these people are That's kicking. Pretty. These people are with it. They're kicking. They're with it. They're hip. Yeah, man. I'm gonna do another three sixty spin. <laughs> <laughs> but my favorite of the night were the um the, the, the two Jews that sat behind me mm-hmm. who were really nice for the show. We actually had a conversation like we were chit-chatting and so forth. Well, Tony Bennett comes out and they get really into it. And the guy is like, oh, my God, he's singing, uh, he's singing the new Cole Porter. I was like, the new Cole Porter? Like, where does that come from? Uh, Cole Porter has been dead for like 80 years. Yeah. And uh, it, it, like every time – this is one of those guys that feels that he, he needs to share his opinion about everything. Mm-hmm. And, and Tony Bennett has this great thing of like stepping back and letting he, like his band take over. Like he'll, he'll, he'll give it to his piano player, let his piano player riff, and, and his uh, drummer and so forth. And uh, he, he kept on deferring to his uh, piano player. And every time he'd do it, the guy behind me would clap and go, yeah, Lee, yeah, get him, Lee, get him. And uh, I was like, oh, he must, you know, he must know the piano player. So every time, oh, yeah, he, Lee, go get it, Lee, oh, cook it, Lee. He wants everyone in the, in his, uh, in, within earshot of him uh, yeah. to know that he knows the first names of every yeah. band member there. Right. Well, here's the best part. So every time the piano player go, you'd hear, cook it, Lee. Yeah, he's hot. Lee's hot tonight. And then Tony Bennett starts introducing his, his uh, band player, his, his band members, and he gets his pianist, and he goes, and this is my great pianist, Cliff Van Holtz. Oh, oh his name's not Lee. Oh, that's no. great. That makes me so happy. So I turned around, and I kind of gave the dude a look, 
And he, you could tell he was on the verge of going, yeah, Lee, again. And he just went, uh, yeah. Oh, he could have played this off. He could have played this off because – He could have, but he wasn't name, His name could have been Cliff Lee Holtz, and then, but right. the, like his family calls him Lee. Kind of like when, uh, you know – when uh, Joe Frazier would step into the booth and do a, you know, do the color commentator commentary for like a Muhammad Ali fight, and he'd, he'd call him Clay, but because that's how he knew him, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. he's, he's Ali, yeah. but he was calling Cassius Clay. Um, he could have played that off, but uh, apparently he has yeah. not. He has not taken a groundlings class and cannot think on his toes like you and I can. <laughs> no. Well, I, he realized he'd been caught because you know he made such a show out of knowing these names, and then. Uh, and well, the I other can, I'll thing be this guy did. right now. I'll be this guy right now. You be, you be Tony. I've been like, yeah, let's go, Lee. Yeah, good job, Lee. Yeah, hit those blue notes, Lee. And now you be Tony Bennett. And you introduce your piano player right now. Do it. I'll, I'll nail this. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, this is the, this uh, is uh, my pianist, uh, Cliff Van Holtz. Yeah, Cliff Lee Van Holtz. Cliff Lee Van Holtz. Yeah, way to go, Lee. Way to go, Cliff Lee Van Holtz. Everybody calls him Lee back home in uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, where he's from. Yeah, that's right. Right. Okay. right. Woo. Went to high school. Uh, he came to my bar mitzvah. He played. He was so you know this guy. This is yeah. that. You know this guy. This is that guy that you just you have to sit twenty thousand people at this fucking venue, and I have to sit next to this douchebag. He even like one Tony Bennett like hit this really big note at the end of one of his songs, huge note, and uh, like he was halfway through the note, and everybody's just like admiring how this eighty-seven-year-old man can nail this note, and the dude goes, "Oh, he nailed it!" Ah! It's like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was he like? What was he like? Oh, yeah, he nailed it. Woo! <laughs> God, it's just like, what an asshole. Shut up. I hate that guy. I fucking hate that guy so goddamn. He's like the guy who talk, like, who's like, God, like, he, he's like, uh, like, if you go see, um, I don't know, if you go see, go to the theater, what's the big movie out right now? Um, the, uh, the, God, the movie's out. This is a bad time to ask that question because the movie's out suck right now. Um, yeah, right. Like, I don't... like, okay, you go to see, uh, you go to see, I don't know, episode one, fifteen years ago, and then, um, uh, and then, uh, but he's already seen it, and then he takes a date to it, and then he's narrating it. So he's, oh, here's, oh, you're gonna love this part. You just, oh God, you're gonna love this, this. Uh, oh, you're not gonna believe what happens next. Just watch. Yeah, right. Got that. God, I fucking. God damn it. You're not going to see guy. this coming. Watch, watch. You're not going to see this coming. Here comes the twist. They've got that guy at LSU football games um, <laughs> where he knows he knows perfectly well he is surrounded by people who have a mediocre to good knowledge of LSU football. But this guy's memorized the names, the high schools, and the however many stars recruits they are of every defensive lineman there. And he's the kind of guy who will say, like, oh, take you got to take Hook out and put Royal in, you know? But Royal <laughs> have him play the other side because he did that at high school over at East Jeff. For like two years. Although you do realize that you are just like a step away from being that guy yourself. And and by the way, you're the classy version of that because you don't do that, but you have that knowledge. You just don't, you know, do you know why you don't I don't shove it down people's throat? Do you know why I don't do that? Because you're a good man. Uh, uh, no, I won't. I won't climb Mount Pius and tell you that I'm a good man. And that's the reason why I don't do that. I don't do that because I have a job in this type of industry. <laughs> So uh, this go. kind of thing pays my paychecks. And so when I'm not on the clock, I don't want to talk too much about it. Like, I can't stand uh, it when fucking Basketball Dave. It's like, hey, man, how you doing? What's up, man? Hey, I haven't talked to you in a couple of days. And I'm like, hey, Basketball Dave, how are you doing? And he's like, I don't know. I'm looking at the schedule. I could see A&M losing three games. And I'm like, God damn it, Dave. Not now. God, I just right. fucking, not now. Can we just talk like normal people? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just let's talk about, like, pussy and stuff, you know? Come on. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but you know what's even better than talking about pussy, Nate Frizzell? I don't I can't think of many things, but what? 
the place we're cosmically stepping into right now, a place we like oh. to call JD's office. Let's see. Oh, it's kind of moist <laughs> in here today. Yeah, like a pussy. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for having us in your pus- in your office, JD. <laughs> uh, I love JD's guns. I mean, office, office. I love JD's office. Sorry. Um, uh, would you? What, what have you seen this week? I haven't seen anything. I'll just say right now. Uh, I've been really, right. busy. I've been slammed this week. So tell me what I should be seeing this week. Well, what you sh- you should start by seeing Orange is the New Black, but we already talked about that. I'll so. get to it. I promise. Okay. Um, uh, Adam. So when you go, how? Okay. When you see a really good movie, like let's say you see a really emotional movie uh, or something like that, how often do you get like truly affected by a movie? Um, I, it's been four times. And I remember the first time I saw a movie that really affected me, I was like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see Taboo 2. And then the second time I got emotionally affected by a movie, I said to myself, man, I can't wait to see Taboo 3. And then the third time I got emotionally affected by uh, a movie, I said, I can't wait to see Taboo 4. And then uh, the fourth time I got emotionally affected by a movie, I said, ooh, I can't wait to see Black Taboo. And then that movie did not emotionally affect me. Wow. That was, I don't even know what, is Taboo a porn? All right, Hootenears. That is Nate Frizzell. Um, this is what I have to deal with. That is Nathan <laughs> Frizzell over there. I just told a fucking great joke right there. I know it. I know it was great. It was perfectly crafted, and he just intentionally didn't get it because he's an asshole, and he's a shitty person to do a podcast with. So if any of you hootineers out there are thinking, I should do a podcast with Nate Frizzell, don't fucking do it because it's going to make you want to kill yourself. It's going to make you feel very depressed. You will lose hair more so than I. Uh, yeah, you can't blame that shit on me. Bullshit. Oh, and like, I, I had like, hair like I had hair like Tony Bennett the day we started doing this podcast, and now I have hair like you, uh, you haven't had hair since I met you. Now I have hair like Don, you had have, a mullet. Now I have hair like Don Rickles <laughs> on a good day. I'm sorry for um, fine shit look, joke, but I, I didn't yes, get it. I'm, it's a point. You need to look. At, yes, it's a point. I've made jokes about. God damn. I've you. never heard that you mentioned taboo before. I hate you so fucking. I've mentioned it in like four episodes. Do you ever pay attention to this episode in, in, this, no. in this podcast ever? I don't pay attention to this episode. Shut up. Yeah, well, that's true. Okay, well, tell me what movie you're watching, and I'm going to set a good example to you by paying right. attention to the words that come out of your mouth. No. Okay. Uh, so the reason I ask you, you how often you've been you affected, how often you've been affected, is um. I lost my train of thought already. already. I saw, I, saw, okay, so I saw Blue Jasmine. Okay, I'll stop. Uh, I'll stop. Go ahead. The, the new, thank you. The new Woody Allen movie uh, um, starring Kate Blanchett. Uh-huh. Now, normally Woody Allen films, you know, they resolve themselves in a sort of way that, you know, they're sort of romantic comedies even when they're not. You know, and they're much more sophisticated than your traditional romantic comedies. But, like, he writes movies that don't necessarily make you go deep in yourself. You know, like you, it makes you think, it makes you either it's a smarter brand of comedy. Blue Jasmine, I walked out of there a nervous fucking wreck. I feel like this has to be Woody Allen's like attempt, uh, like a take on A Streetcar Named Desire, because mm-hmm. uh, it's based about a, a, a woman, a formerly wealthy woman, who moves in with her sister as her world starts to fall apart. Uh, that is, a, it is an hour and a half movie about a woman who's losing her shit. And it was the hardest thing to watch. It's a great movie. Kate Blanchett is fucking. It's one of the best performances I've ever seen on film. And Woody Allen, it's, it's an amazing script. But holy shit, I walked out of there and I literally, I was sweating. 
I was nervous. Like I had to have a drink. Uh, it's hard to watch stories where people are literally falling apart at the seams. Right. So you said it's, it's does- a movie. It's a movie about a woman who's losing her shit. So it's a movie about a woman who's from the ages of thirty-five to fifty-three. Yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. Right. Good. It's about menopause, is what it is. It's a thinly veiled. Is it, is it really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, could, really have... it could be. Uh, yeah, yeah, it could be, but she could be of that age, but no. Um, long story short, you know, she, uh, well, I won't give anything away. She, she just, her life starts, her life completely falls apart. Mm-hmm. And uh, she tries to pull herself back together. And, you know, I mean, you can just see from moment one where it's going. And it's just like, oh my God. It's almost painful. To, it's almost too painful to watch, except for the fact that it's just a really good movie. Mm-hmm. So, for those of you who want like a little bit of salvation from Transformers 17 and Avengers 19 and whatever else shit is out there right now, go see um, Blue Jasmine. It's a great film. You know, it'll affect you in a certain way. It'll make you think at the very least. Uh, I highly recommend it. Nice. Yeah. And this is yeah. Woody Allen. Woody Allen is a director. I don't know anybody else like this. And uh, and I mean, add some names to this list of one if if you know anybody like this. He's a director that, that actors will take pay cuts to work with him. Like they'll yes. they'll they'll play below they'll play ball below market value to work with him. So absolutely, uh, I I, I've always funny. thought that was interesting about him. Well, the funny thing about it is that they just did a uh, an article with him. I think it was in like Esquire or Vanity Fair or something like that. And uh, he he basically admitted to the fact that he barely speaks to his actors on set. Like yeah. he just like lets them do their thing, which is amazing considering the fact that. He's he's been like the director of like six or seven Oscar-winning performances, mm-hmm. and to think the fact that all these actors were so perfect for their roles, and were not directed, it's almost like wow, like these are some really fucking talented actors working with a really great script. This com- this this comparison may make me sound like a complete douchebag, but I'm going to make it and risk it. Um, the um, uh, Woody Allen is the baseball manager of movie directors. In that, a baseball manager sits in the dugout most of the time, and he comes to, he comes to the mound when he absolutely has to. A good a good manager enters the field only when he has to. He inter he, he enter interferes with play only when he feels it's absolutely necessary. This is a good manager. Some guys, Joe Girardi, um, you know, will make twelve pitching changes in the ninth inning so they can get somebody some reps and then blow a four run lead. You know, things like that. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, I'll say Woody Allen is the Jim Leland of uh, of movie directors. Um, Jim Leland being the old, he's about the, probably about the same age as uh, they're about. Woody Allen and Jim Leland are about the same age, and they're to the point where they're old and a bit grizzled. They're quirky, um, and everybody likes working with them. And yeah. it, it, there's there's nary nary an actor who has worked uh, an actor or a baseball player who's worked with either one of these who has any ill feelings towards him. Maybe Barry Bonds hates Jim Leland, but that's because he's an asshole. But um, I would say, yeah, Jim Leland lets the, lets the game happen and then knows his just knows when he's supposed to interject right. and never anymore. Uh, and and same thing for Woody Allen. Uh, I, I, the sports fan in me thinks that that's the most brilliant thing I've ever said. The movie fan in me thinks that I'm a complete douchebag and no, I hate myself. No, you're right. Because you, the, in this same article I was talking about, they asked him, well, how, what did you do to get such an amazing performance from Kate Blanchett in this film? It, and, and he goes, well, I wrote the script. I hired Kate Blanchett and I got out of her way. 
Yeah. And it's, yeah, he's just like, and it's true because, and it makes you realize just how fucking brilliant of a performance this is. The fact that she, you know, they say some good, some actors need a great director, you know, to, to shine. She just comes up with the most like subtle performance and dynamic at the same time. And, and to realize that she wasn't directed or coached. She just knows how to do that shit. That's as an actor. I admire that as a movie fan. I, I, I just respect the hell out of it. It's, it's awesome. Plus Kate Blanchett and, and Woody Allen's got to know this. Kate Blanchett uh, probably knows everything about Woody Allen. There is to know. I mean, she's a, right. a student of acting and Woody Allen probably knows that. So they already come into it knowing that, you know, Woody Allen has studied Kate Blanchett plenty. She, she knows he, he knows everything she's done and she knows everything he's done. They, they could never have spoken and they already have a relationship. They already have, they can probably already predict each other's moves with each other. So it's uh, yeah. it's an interesting actor director relationship. Um, man. Uh, this was, I think we've already, we've just, we should get a 3,900 credit for this uh, little talk we've just had. <laughs> That's right. We should, uh, we should have uh... Go and teach a Neil Abair class. That's right. Uh, but before we make any more references that you hootenears don't get, uh, let's step out of JD's office. Thanks for having us, JD, in your put in your office. All right, we're gonna take a quick break uh, so I can take a piss and get another bottle of champagne, and we will be right back to talk about some interesting, interesting news and some slightly less interesting sports on the Bike Coast of Hootenanny, starring Nate and Adam. Here at the Red Stick Podcast, we're more than just a trio of debased guys drinking and swearing into a microphone. We also explore more enlightened topics like science and technology. If they could put the technology of a woman saying, come in my pussy, into intergalactic space travel, we would have colonized the universe by now. So join us every week for the Red Stick Podcast on iTunes or at theredstick.com. science like Galileo dropped the orange. Is it scorching outside? Is your throat parched? Well, if you have a dollar, you can get a snowball from Emily Snowballs in Bowling Green, Kentucky. We're only 2,070 miles from Hollywood and 865 miles from Brooklyn, New York. We have over 50 flavors and three different types of cream to choose from. We're open seven days a week on the corner of 31W Bypass and Cabell Drive. Hope to see you soon. My heart in San Francisco. High on a hill, it calls to me. Welcome back to the Bicoastal Hootenanny, starring Nate and Adam, and Adam Tootenanny Wilson, right here with, starring Nathan Brazil over there in Hollywood, California, and by right here, I mean Brooklyn, New York, where it is a certain temperature that I've already forgotten, and I probably lied to you about at the beginning of the show anyway. Um, we got a, it was a, it was a big week in the news, so let's step right in there with the probe, starring Nathan Frizzell. Hi, I'm Nathan Frizzell. Welcome to the probe, where we go deep. The windmilling 
fists and stomping feet rain down blows on the 13-year-old boy. Trapped on the floor between the bus seats, he cries out as he receives fierce punch after vicious kick from the three bigger, older youths. As the relentless assault unfolds, the driver of the Florida school bus alerts the dispatcher pleading for aid, but he doesn't, lead, he doesn't physically step in to help. According to school policy, the bus driver did nothing wrong. The, uh, the boy that was being beaten uh, received uh, a broken arm, two black eyes, and other various injuries as he was beaten, beaten uh, by three older kids. The, the injured was a young white sixth grader. The older three kids were three older 15, 13 to 15 year old black kids. Not enough, not enough, not another one. I know. No, no, no. Uh-uh. Nate, I swear to God Almighty, if you I'm... imply, if you imply to me right now, I'll, damn it, I, we've talked about this. If you imply that there are any crimes committed in the United States that are anything other than white people killing black people, I will march right out of this room. We here at the probe imply nothing. We only report the news. This story coming directly from CNN.com. So if you take, take umbrage, take issue with CNN, if you will. Well, I've taken uh, issue with them for advocating rape, but, uh, you know. Well, then there's that. Uh, in, uh, in related news, <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually about to bring us a story from foxnews.com, but uh, critics have blasted Jesse Jackson and the Reverend Al Sharpton over silence on the Florida school bus beatings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, of course, this would come from Fox News, but... Uh, is there something to this assertion that uh, shame on these two gentlemen for staying quiet and not stepping up to, you know, take the side of the victim in this situation? Uh, should they have admonished the uh, the three young black youths who beat the white youth? Uh, or does it even matter? Uh, no, they shouldn't have admo- admonished it. They shouldn't have made an announcement about it, just like they shouldn't have opened their goddamn useless-ass pieces-of-shit mouths about the Trayvon Martin shit, because nothing they do or say actually matters, because they're dudes who don't have jobs. That They just they don't do anything. They don't punch a clock anywhere. What the, what the fuck is the Rainbow Push Coalition at this point? Right. It, it's the... It, no, so, uh, you know, I don't, I don't care. When I see their names attached to anything... Look, there, there's a reason Obama distanced himself from Jesse Jackson because Jesse Jackson's a joke. He's a fucking joke. Right. And even Obama, Obama, the first, even if he had lost, he was the at the at the time of his campaign, he was it was a realistic possibility that a black guy was going to get voted president. There's a reason that that black guy distanced himself from that black guy, Jesse Jackson, because Jesse Jackson's a piece of shit. So is Al Sharpton. Fuck him. Right. Well, you know what? I actually think that the real issue is in this situation is not uh, whether it's white on black or black on white or blah, 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 or even bullying in high school because that's happened since the dawn of time and it will continue to happen mm-hmm. no matter what we say or do. I think the bigger issue is this fucking bus driver who sat his ass down. And I understand he doesn't want to lose his job. I get it. Probably doesn't make a whole lot to begin with. Probably has a family support. Probably is an honest, hardworking guy. Didn't want to risk losing his job. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If I'm on that bus and a kid is getting his arm broken and getting stomped and kicked on, I ain't going to sit my ass in that chair. Uh, that, that's, what's, that's where this country is headed, to becoming a country full of people who are so worried about what they can and cannot do that they don't do the right thing. 
the right thing, unquestionably, in the situation is get your fat ass up out of that driver's seat. Stop those kids from beating on that dude. Mm-hmm. And if you can't stop three kids, then you shouldn't be working with kids. Kids. You know? Kids, huh? Because here's well, kids. Yeah, kids. You're right. But kids. here's the thing. Hold on, hold on. Kids, huh? Yeah. Okay. Um how old I mean how old? teenagers. Thirteen to fifteen. Mm-hmm. So three black teenagers? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's your point? Uh my point is when you got three guys who can all probably take you. Uh-huh. Well, you know what you know what I mean like uh, look I'm, if 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 there's th- if there's three 13 to 15 year old black kids beating the shit out of somebody I can't do anything about it. I can go get my ass kicked and then the 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 person I'm trying to save also still gets his ass kicked. Uh I mean you know I I that you you say you're saying kids and you know we have a mental image that pops into mind when we say kids um those are you know, 95% full grown bodies and they're probably good at beating the shit out of people. They're probably very dexterous at this. They've probably done it before. They're probably experienced at it. I myself, not experienced you. I'm assuming also not experienced. Uh, I don't, I don't ritualistically beat people up, but I will say this. There is a point at which a woman's getting beat up an old person's getting beat up. A child is getting beat up. I'm in the area I see it. The right thing to do if there's no other way out of this, you got to do something. Yes. And that's just that's just what we're I mean that's just what being a decent human is all about. Yes, you're right. Let me tell you, let me just do some math for you here and say if if a if a baby falls into a a pit full of three lions, what are you going to do? You can watch the kid get eaten. <laughs> Or you can go down and get eaten and not watch the kid get eaten because the kid's going to get eaten right after you because the kid's going to be the dessert instead of the main course at that point. It's, you know, I don't know. Like, again, I'm saying this. I don't know the, I don't know the size of it. I don't know the what weight class these kids are in. I don't know what weight class the, the, uh, the bus driver's in. Um, it's probably in the super ultra mega heavyweight division if I know (laughs) bus drivers, but, um, (laughs) but that's not a very athletic class. So, yeah. Uh, well, I will say this. You know what flashed through my mind in talking about this? Uh, when I was in uh, fifth grade, I think there was a group of seventh graders who uh, who were picking on me, and uh, they would they would surround me, you know, like once a week in the schoolyard and blah 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 blah. And uh, I'd come home and I'd be really frustrated. Not it wasn't it wasn't you know that sad sort of crying sort of thing. It was just frustrating because I couldn't figure out how to handle this situation. Mm-hmm. My dad said, look, I don't want you fighting. I don't want you picking fights. He said, if you can do, do everything you can to avoid fights, he said, but listen, if these guys keep coming after you like this, you have my permission to pick the smallest one out of that group <laughs> and catch him by surprise and beat the shit out of him before any of them know what's going on. He said, and I don't care what kind of trouble you get in. Uh, he said, you, you have my permission. You pick the smallest one and you mm-hmm. take him out. And then the rest of them won't know what the fuck to do. And it's like, that just is what pops into my mind. Is It's like, yeah, I can't take on three guys. But if there's a kid getting beaten up, I'm going to try something. Because, you know, this poor kid, I mean, you, w- imagine what his parents would have felt like if they'd beaten him to death. You know, imagine what would have been on your, ha- your watch, on your hands, if, they, if he'd died. Um. Uh, 
And uh, so I just like, and I feel like this, what this really comes down to more so than being scared by beaten up, being beaten up by three teenagers is we're scared of losing our jobs. We're scared of being sued. Right. We're scared of being arrested on some stupid charge of like, that's why I brought up the math thing. I mean, this guy, this guy basically said to himself, all right, well, I could take these guys on and lose my job and get my ass kicked. And this kid still gets his ass kicked just as much, maybe even more. Or I can keep my job, not get my ass kicked, watch this kid get his ass kicked, and yeah. that, and then take the kid to the hospital. I don't know, like or whatever it is. I, you know, it's a it's a shitty equation to have to solve. And uh, you know what, really, you know what, I, I'd really like to know. What's that about these three kids that beat this kid up? Yeah, I'd really like to know what their fathers think of the situation. I bet their fa- I, I bet their fathers are very embarrassed about it. I bet their I bet their dads are all embarrassed that their child would act like this. You know what I would like to know? What? I would like to know where their fathers are. Huh. Wait, what are you talking about? I don't understand. I, what I, are you getting at? I have read nary a comment from any of these children's fathers. I wonder where they might be located at the present time. What do you mean? You seem like you got a little snark in you. You're, you seem to be suggesting something. What do you mean? I suggest nothing other than the fact that uh, I just wonder where the the uh, the fathers of these uh, these the three youths are. I mean, there, uh, there are they, they were. There these fathers were celebrating their wedding anniversary probably that night. All three of them, you know, right? Or at least right. planning wedding anniversaries because yeah, there they were. There's there's my wife, the, the, the woman with whom I got married and had a child, and uh, you know, and here here he and I've I've raised him. I've 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 fed him every morning. I've a roof over his head and here he is how does he thank me by being a father to him just the what what a, any decent human being would do after yeah. all even dogs stick around to raise their fucking puppies uh <laughs> i you know those fa- i really feel sorry for their fathers because i i mean i can only assume that their fathers care about their children Right, and that they 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 fight tooth and nail to provide only the best for their children. And of course, the behavior of these children is the only the kind of behavior that comes from being in close contact with your father. I you I, know, I know over like, the years, like this is those those dad those three kids' dads have probably got to be thinking, like they got they got to be mortified when they go to their jobs that they have. Like when they actually go to their jobs that they have, like that they got hired for because they went out and filled a job application, you know, right. and they got based on merit and experience and yes, education. yes, exactly. That they right. so they went to these jobs that they have so that they can support these kids that they're actively raising. Because I mean, that we're assuming that that's what's going on, right? That that's well, what we assume. Okay, uh, to to assume anything otherwise would be completely racist of us. And if there's anything that we're not, it's racist, right? Right. Okay. Great. So, right. Call so, me anything but a racist. Yes, exactly. Uh, so these fathers who we all agree are present and raising their children and having jobs and working and pulling their weight and, and, and not, not paying taxes as well, paying paying their fair share of taxes. You know, right. I don't know how you could tie Look a at double. You're shaking. You're, how, you're upset. How could how can one of these fathers tie his double Windsor knot? Right before going to his office job and just face his boss that morning and think, this behavior reflects on me. Mr. Goldberg, I, I don't know how I could possibly carry on. I I can't. My sons have shamed me. I mean, I, 
I really feel sorry for these three kids' fathers. I feel so sorry for them. And yeah. I, the, 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 those are the real victims here. That these real fathers who are, who, to them, the most important thing in their lives must be to raise these three boys. That yeah, must be, they probably pray at night, God, show me how to raise these kids even better than I'm raising because I want only the best for my son. You know? That's right. That's right. Amen, brother. You preach it. I, I just, I, I feel so sorry for these kids' fathers. It's, so, it's such a goddamn travesty that these kids would betray their loving, diligent, present fathers by doing this in a school bus. Well, I, uh, I'm going to be interested to see what, uh, how this story unfolds over the next couple of weeks and if it receives the same kind of zealousness. Is that the right word? Zealousness? Zeal. Ze Ze Shit, you're right. Zeal. <laughs> Fuck me. God, dog it. Uh, all right, zeal, with which another case in Florida was handled. Uh, I'm not uh, – it just happens to be the same state, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. But uh, moving on here in the probe, uh, this is a segment that we here in the probe like to call "Things That Make Jesus Cry." Oh no! Police Friday, we're searching for six puppies, bred as assistance dogs for the hearing impaired, that were taken from their owner's car in Highland Park. The owner of the puppies, Ryan Fingerly, not a made-up name. <laughs> Said she was leaving a Highland Park Animal Hospital Monday Wait, when she chick? realized it is a chick. <laughs> <laughs> when she realized she forgot to sign some papers and ran back in. The puppies described as American Bulldogs were left inside the car with the air conditioning on. Police released surveillance pictures of the two men who allegedly took the, the puppies. They were described as <clears throat> Hispanic men between 25 and 35 years old. Wait, what? They were around. Yep. They were around five feet, six inches tall and weighed between 160 and 200 pounds. The puppies were being raised by Fingerly, who is hearing impaired, to sell to other hearing impaired people. Well, let me guess. Let me guess. The height of the men was somewhere between 5'2 and 5'6. Yeah, they were around <laughs> five feet, six inches tall. Uh, one, one of them was known as Chino. <laughs> or some variation thereof. He's the fat one. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, come on, guys. Stealing puppies, that's just not nice. Come on. And especially fucking hearing impaired. Uh, for, for, for dogs for the hearing impaired. But on a happier note, in this segment we like to call Things That Make Jesus Smile a Little. Uh, just hours after stealing six computer towers and a new laptop, a group of burglars had a change of heart and returned the items after realizing they had broken into a rape crisis center. Burglars managed to get inside the offices of the San Bernardino Sexual Assault Services through the roof of the building. Intruders set off a motion sensor but were long gone by the time police arrived. To everyone's surprise, several hours later, the motion detector went off again. This time, police found something they never suspected. The burglars had returned everything and even left a note apologizing for their actions. Now bear with me. The notes say, We had no idea what we were taking. T-A-K-E-I-N-G Hear your stuff back We hope that you guys can continue to make a difference in people's lives No apostrophe God bless mm -hmm. uh, Hear your stuff back 
Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so you know, burglars, they realized they'd broken into a rape crisis center and they returned their stuff. Not a bad little Looks bit like, of news, well, you know, yeah. change well, of well, heart. They, well, yeah, when they got those computers home and their father was waiting for them, and they're like, why are you late, boy? And then, the, right. the, and then their father probably said, you know, that's what it was, you see? He probably took out the switch. Yeah. Did you ever get the switch as a kid? Uh, I got the switch. Uh, I got threatened with a switch. A switch meaning a stick. I don't know why we call it a switch, right? I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and pick you a switch. I mean, we have. Th- there are household items. I don't know why there ever would be a switch at this point, even in any time of the twentieth century. Uh, there's always been hairbrushes and like you know, um, Bibles belts we've all we've always had this i don't know why you need a damn stick is it just to make it like to get you make you one with the earth or something i don't know well i think it, here's what it is because um, I, I never actually really got the switch i got the belt but my my uh, half brothers and sisters my my stepfather was was fond of of go out and pick a switch mm-hmm. and uh of course by the time that they got to that point my my siblings were, were usually in tears, just like, oh, sorry. And so he goes, go out and pick you a switch. So you had to hear them all the way out to the yard and back. Mm-hmm. Ah, ah. And so you hear them like wrestling with the tree. And they come back and go, I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> he has to hand it. So I think it's just a way of making them think about what yeah. they did before. Or what that's about to, to happen. Put, to put the fear in them, which is that's what you right. want to do. You want to put the fear and respect them. God, I hope when, if and when I have a son, I hope little Hank Wilson, I hope, I hope to hear his wails as he walks into Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, New York, and picks a switch right above a Union soldier's grave and brings it back so I can beat the shit <laughs> out of him. <laughs> that's how I used to cry as a kid. Uh, funny. <laughs> <laughs> when I knew I was in trouble, um, you know, you said, you know, yeah, that that must have been a very awkward moment for those guys who. It's funny that they have that more. They're okay stealing computers, but like, it's like, like one guy in that group must have thought, like, guys, these computers are to like help like rape victims. We're we were all born because our moms were raped, so like, Ugh. you know, shouldn't we take these computers back? It's probably, you know, what I mean, like that had to have been an awkward. Yeah, Realization. guys. I was back when I worked at Kinko's. I had this this very. I felt so bad. I feel so bad about it this, to this day. And I, I didn't do anything wrong, but I felt bad about it. There was a was just the cutest girl came in, and she was like working, making copies of whatever at the um, of the self serve copy machine. And then I heard like the beep, the beep 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 beep, the the paper jam beep. And I was like, uh, <laughs> and she starts to open the drawer and to clear out the paper jam herself. And I was like, oh, I got it because it's my job. It's like, actually, I can't let her do it because it, it might, you know, she might not know what she's doing it's as far as clearing paper jams. And she was sure. like, no, it's okay. I know how to do it. And I'm like, oh, don't, no, no, it'd be best for me to do it. You know, it's my job. And she's like, no, no, really, I got it. I got it. Like, she really fought for me to not. And, you know, I was really, I really like this. I like it when, you know, I liked it when customers were self-sufficient. You know, I liked yeah. it when customers would not fucking need me to whip out a titty and put it in their mouth, you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. I really liked it. Um, and then, uh, you know, finally she, she relented and let me, you know, get out the, whatever the paper was jammed. And it was like, um, a pamphlet she had just gotten from a rape crisis center because she had probably just been victimized by something. And I felt so horrible. She obviously didn't want me to know, like, and I felt so bad. Like I didn't do anything wrong, but I stumbled upon this, like, I felt like I just, I felt bad for weeks. I just couldn't even like, yeah. I couldn't even like look at any woman without just saying like, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry I've ever met. Yeah. I'm sorry I've ever beat off to you. I'm so sorry. I, you know, <laughs> I, 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 it was one of the worst feelings of my life, and must have been the worst feeling for her, her life. Uh, but uh, you know, I pretended not to speak English for the rest of the day. Uh, you know, I was like, oh, no speaking English. Paper no is, is, is no jamo. You know, uh, I felt <laughs> so bad. It was so weird. It's such a it, the most awkward moment of my life. I would say. No, that can't that, be. I, I, I would say you've had much more awkward moments. Uh, than I don't that. know, but that's that's fine. I felt so bad. You know, I like to think of it this way: that these guys that return, or or women, who knows, who knows who stole these things. Uh, but uh, let's just here's how I'd like to imagine the scene going down. They see all these computers, they get home, they plug them in, they turn them on, man, look at this shit we got. Let's see what kind of shape it's in. All right, here, let me just open up the computer here. Okay, got it. Load, load, hurry up, fucking load. Here we go. Okay, okay. What do we got here? What do you got? Oh, oh, what, what the hell is that? Oh my God, these are documents. What kind of documents are these? Are they valuable? Holy shit, that's a rape report. And then, Guys, the, and then the one guy in the group's like, oh yeah, this is hot. Read me some more. <laughs> and, and then they're like, hey, Debo, shut up. Come on, Chino, stop doing that. <laughs> uh, and then they go, oh, Wait, shit, did you say Tebow? I said Debo. Oh, I thought you said Debo. I called the guy <laughs> Tebow. Like, Tebow's the guy who whacks off to rape victims. Hey, wouldn't be surprised, you know. Uh, He's just a little zealous for me. I couldn't be more surprised, but okay. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're sitting there and they go, guys, shit, we just stole document we just stole stuff from a rape crisis center guys we're bad people and they suddenly have like a moment of clarity and they're like everything we've been doing in our lives is wrong guys this is wrong we're wrong we're bad we need to return this and guys are you fucking crazy we're gonna get caught if we return this shit well guys we're bad people we need to bring this back so they have this moment of that's what i like to think happened They've changed their lives. Now they're like volunteering at homeless shelters and they're getting going back to school and getting their BA in something nice like liberal arts or creative writing. So, you know, something that won't take them anywhere. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd I, like to think that this is an example yeah. of people turning around. I, well, I, I mean, I doubt it is because it's. Okay, but you don't have to piss on everything. I'm hoping. Fine. I, I do get it though. It's like, because like when you steal something like that, who you want to steal from? the man well this isn't the man you know what i mean like it's not the man you know you want to you want to fucking stick it to the man you want to steal a computer from walmart not like you know yeah rape crisis center you know yeah that's fucking messed up you know yeah can i did i you know we've all had that moment i actually had this the other night i uh because i I, hold on hold on because like think of this because first off they know going into it there is a certain percent chance that they get caught. Okay. Yes. Getting caught stealing something from Walmart, you can go in defiant. And there are even law abiding people who will be like, yeah, good. Fuck Walmart. They stole computers from Walmart. Those guys are heroes. <laughs> there are some people who will even think that. But if you steal from like, if you get convicted of stealing something from Rape Crisis Center, there's nobody, there's nobody on earth on your side. Nobody. They're going to throw the book at you, 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 you whippersnapper. You're, you're, first, you're first in line to get raped in prison. It'd, yeah, look, it'd be the biggest irony ever, actually, come to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually had uh, – you'd have rapists going, man, you're fucked up, man. Uh, yeah. I'm coming, out, coming <laughs> after <sorry>. you. <laughs> yeah, no, but look, we've all had that moment. You know, like I was even in uh, an Exxon uh, earlier this week. Um, and, you know, I was, uh, I was going – I was getting like a Coke or something like that. And I was standing in line and the person in the register – turn around and walk. There was a little back room behind the register, turn around and walk to the back and close the door behind them. 
And I was like, you know, I, I could just walk out of here right now with this Coca-Cola and I'd be sticking it to Exxon Mobil. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I would be sort of getting them back for all the raping that they've done to our environment and to our, our, our pocketbooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like, no, 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 never mind. You know, uh, these guys, they, uh, they, they had that moment of clarity. Maybe, maybe they went through, they, they pursued the action. They actually stole, but you know, better late than never to have that moment of, wow, we did some bad shit. And what now, the next thing for them though, is they need some fucking <laughs> writing classes, some grammar sure. and spelling classes. But, uh, that was the probe starring Nathan Brazil. That's right. Adam Wilson. Show us your balls. I shall, and it shall be short and sweet. Hey, Nate! Yeah? You ever pull the old hidden ball trick? No, I'm not talking about something related to the fruit basket, the hamburger, or even the turtle shell. Get your mind out of the scrotum, buddy. I'm talking about baseball. Oh, Oh, yeah, of course. Specifically, some baseball that happened this past Saturday at Chavez Ravine's Dodger Stadium in your very city. Yes. What? Ugh, what? What are you talking about? Chavez Chavez Ravine. It's so easy to get there, and the field is symmetrical. And And it's so easy to leave in an ambulance. (laughs) That's funny. Or the back of a cop car. Sure. Uh, At any rate, uh, the the mothership reports that uh, the Tampa Bay Rays pulled off the old hidden ball trick, trapping Juan Uribe of the Dodgers at third base. The rarely seen play occurred in the fourth inning Saturday with Los Angeles hitting 4-0. The Dodgers went on to win 5-0, despite being hidden balled. A.J. Ellis hit a bases-loaded sacrifice fly, and all three runners moved up. They tagged up as center fielder Will Myers threw the ball toward the plate, which he shouldn't have done, by the way. He should have thrown to second so he can keep that guy first and then set up the double play for the next batter. But, like, kind of a sort of rookie mistake, even though he's not a rookie. First baseman James Aloney is the guy who caught the ball at uh, right about the pitcher's mound. So what he did, very nonchalantly, it was so clever, and we'll have a video of this on the site uh, at theregistick.com, by the way. Um, James Loney threw it over, just kind of tossed the ball over to shortstop Yunel Escobar, who then equally nonchalantly just tossed it over to third baseman Evan Longoria. In plain sight, not even being, not even doing any trickery or anything. But the thing is, meanwhile, uh, Juan Uribe, who had just tagged up from second to third, is looking down. He's looking down. He's like, you know, adjusting his his, his shin, his socks. His hidden balls. Yeah, his hidden balls, yes. Uh, but, you know, he's put his pants leg down to where it belongs, adjusting his belt. You know how baseball players do. They adjust everything after everything, you know. And yeah. he's, he's doing that. And, and he's standing on the base. But little does he know. And little does the third base coach, for some reason, know that um, uh, third baseman Evan Longoria has the ball. He's just holding it right there, and he's standing right there. And sure enough, as uh, Escobar assumes, uh, excuse me, as Uribe assumes that the ball is over there at the pitcher's mound, he's just kind of like, he's just kind of adjusting himself and then like kind of steps off the base for just a second to kind of put his, you know, to kind of get his bearings and maybe take a lead, you know, for the next, you know, you always take like a like six, six foot lead. And yeah, um, Longoria just tagged him out right there. And uh, Angel Hernandez, the umpire, uh, called him out, and that was it. It was really good. It was neat. Okay. It's a hidden ball trick. Very neat. So, so, so the third baseman pretended to throw it back to the pitcher, and which is why. No, goddammit. I'm sorry. No, the... no goddammit. Ain't shit. No, it just look when when Uribe tagged up from second to third, he got the uh, third. He got the third easily. It's a stand up tag up. Just you know, he, nobody threw to sure. third, so he just got there. And as he got to the base, he started looking down, adjusting himself, 
And within that next three seconds, the ball ends up in the third base, the third baseman's glove, which he's not watching. He has not, he's not watching this. He just says he's on the base. He just steps off for just a second while Longoria's got the glove right there, right behind his ass. Like he's got the glove like two uh-huh. inches from his ass looking at the umpire. And as he just like for just a second steps off, boop, tags him, he's out. Oh, well, that's that's dumb of the third of the runner to to step off the bag. I mean, yeah. he didn't wait until oh, the ball was back on the pitcher's mound. Well, he looked at I mean, he he saw the, the, the pitcher was kind of lining up to pitch and he just assumed that the pitcher had the ball. But you got you, yeah. well, to You know what happens when you assume. Yeah, that's right. So um, uh, that's pretty cool, though. That doesn't happen very often. Right. Uh, right. Especially at the major league level when, you know, you're kind of paid <laughs> yeah. to kind of paid to pay attention. Not so. get out. Yeah. Uh, and certainly not like that. So, uh, right. so it's a funny little thing. Um, but, is that the one where you get back to the dugout and like everybody, you know, punches you in the nuts? Oh, they ribbed him pretty bad for it. And of course, I mean, it was all in good fun because the Dodgers ended up winning the game anyway. So nobody cost anybody the game, but it was a little heads up play that. Yeah. I'm surprised they could, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I was basically pull off a play like that in the midst of all the riots in the stands and all the gang violence, <laughs> and ex- expensive beers and. <laughs> overpriced hot dogs uh dodger <laughs> dogs mm, yummy yeah i hope you like crap yeah the, uh, uh, the uh, there was a hidden ball trick in rookie of the year which i'm sure you've seen a million times ah yes you remember that uh, over at first yes. base yeah so yeah. at any at any rate uh another our final sports story for today i finally bought a pelicans shirt i'm officially a new orleans pelicans fan As look I'm, at you that's right i've been a new orleans pelicans fan my entire life I, my my I bleed navy red and gold and always have. Uh huh. You're Good not even you. listen, you're not even listening. You'd be fake laughing right now if you weren't listening. What are you typing? You're typing something. What are you doing? You're, you have no idea what I'm saying. I I was I, I was looking up Cowboys Chargers tickets. Yeah, why are you doing that? You it's fucking preseason. Right. You can find it. Why why now? Why now? Well, because they actually play each other in the regular season at the end of September. And they do this really cool thing where you can take a train down from L.A. to the stadium. And you can drink on the train and get drunk, watch the game, and then totally shit-faced, get back on the train and take it back. Are the Cowboys and Chargers playing in 30 minutes? No. Then why the fuck are you searching for that online right now? I'm sorry. I I had an ADD moment. ADD moment? I'm I'm a bad friend. I'm sorry. No, you had a TNF moment is what you had. Thomas Nathan Frizzell. That's what you had, you piece of shit. And those were my attention-paying balls. <laughs> hey, Adam, you know what I just discovered? This really, uh, this neat, this week that's really, really cool about if the Vikings. If, if, if it has anything to do with the Chargers and Cowboys, I'm flying over to LA and I'm beating the fuck out of you. No, it's actually about Pete Sampras. Um, <laughs> fuck you, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, I just recently, dis- well, I just bought a brand new TV this week. Uh, and along with that, I actually received Apple TV for my birthday. And I discovered that uh, the Bicoastal Hootenanny star Nate and Adam can be listened to on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can put it on your TV and listen to it as you go about your business inside your house. And uh, instead of just listening off of your computer or off your iPhone or your iPad, you can actually, you know, if you have an apartment like mine, you can put it on and go about your business and hear it from all over the house. It's great. Just look at your podcast app on your Apple TV, turn it on, search for the Bicoastal Hootenanny starring Nate and Adam, and there we be. Excellent. I was, I was very impressed by that. I was like, look at that. We're on, our podcast is on the television. I was very impressed by the commercial you just did for our podcast. 
well, you know, we gotta we gotta spread the good word, my friend. Yeah, we need more hootenears because this isn't the bicoastal tree falling in the woods. This is the bicoastal <laughs> hootenanny. Nah, but we we you know we've got some pretty uh, our, our fans just tend to be silent. You know, you guys can email us at Nate and Adam at the or you can call us. Pause for editing. 225-244-9469. Wait, they're not they are the hootenears aren't silent. They just usually talk to me because <laughs> that's what it is. Do they? Because I thought that if they talked to you, then you'd put that you'd open la boite all letters or la boite all voicemails. Which I you would, but they of- talk to me, like on my my phone number and my email. Um oh. but, yeah, so I don't I don't put anything on. Well those are you know, tell them to call our number instead. I do. Those people are assholes. Where's your they... Russian girlfriend, by the way? Why didn't she ever call in? Uh, she did once. She just used, I know. She used a pseudonym what? so we wouldn't know who she was. Okay. Uh, why don't you? Uh, why don't you make her do it again? Why don't you tell her if she doesn't? Why don't, she's why, don't why don't I make her do it again? Why don't I? Yeah, she, Russian, I don't she'll make listen her to do you. anything because she's a fucking person, and I don't make her do anything. I mean, yeah, that, but it's. I make her do it, one thing, but I don't make her do anything else. Yeah, but it's in her genes to listen to what, you know, a, a man says, especially a man with a thick beard like yourself. Uh, you know everything about you know everything about women, don't you? No. Tell me just about, the, tell, tell me about t- women, Nate. Tell me what I need to know. I only listen. You just need to know about certain women. Like, you know, you're dating a Russian. Russians are naturally bred to be communists, fascists, and so forth. First off, I don't identify said, her as this, a Russian. This, this I identify her as a Jew. All right? Oh, well, just, there just you so go. You know then just uh, read from the Torah. And just be like, hey, listen, it says you shall obey me, or I'll stone you. That's so cute. So call you, in the goddamn so bicoplutin. It's so cute. You, you know almost enough about Jews to make jokes about them. It's so cute how you're almost there. I, I don't know a whole lot about Jews. That's Look, the I fucking point. In- That's the joke I just fucking told you, you piece of shit. Yeah. Why don't you? Maybe, no, I, actually, maybe you I, should go I, back to searching I, for I Cowboys Charger ticket. Just go back to searching for the tickets, and I'll take care of the rest of the show. How's that? No. Well, fine. We'll do our sign off. And um, <laughs> by the hey, way, hey, hey, hold on. Stay tuned for the uh, <laughs> stay tuned for the Red Stick Podcast later this week. Uh, Lieutenant Governor Jay Darden is actually on the show coming up in a couple of weeks. I don't know if you knew that, Nate. Nice. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, That's pretty stay, cool. And stay tuned. I'm gonna. I didn't talk too much about my week this week because I'm going to talk about it Tuesday on the Tootin' Tuesday. Nate, you're going to be my guest this week, so um, stick around. Stick around for that. Uh, Nate, take us take us out of here so I can beat the fuck out of you for searching for football tickets while we're doing a podcast. As if there's not a better time for you to do this. God damn it! I'm so mad at you. Sometimes doing other things helps me concentrate on the thing at hand. For Adam Wilson in Brooklyn, New York, I am Nate Frizzell in Hollywood, California. Right. To all of our friends back home and everyone in between, we say, Sweeney toi. Do the sign off again. You cut out halfway through it. Oh, shit. For Adam Wilson in Brooklyn, New York, I'm Nate Frizzell in Hollywood, California. This has been the Bicoastal Hootenanny starring Nate and Adam. To all of our friends back home and to everyone in between, we say, Sweeney toi. You're masturbating, aren't you? Yep. Email us your questions, comments, corrections, and justifications for why statutory child mouth rapists should play on your school's football team to Nate and Adam at theredstick.com or 
call us at 225-244-9469. This has been the Bicoastal Hoot Nanny, starring Nate and Adam. Next week, Nate goes to Athens, Texas. Visit us at theredstick.com or subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at Bicoastal Hoot. This has been a production of the Red Stick.